and gentlemen, welcome to your next installment of the Crossfire Hurricane. The recently outed Sean Ambrosino <laughs> here with my buddy Larry Edwards. Uh, you, Larry. Can, you, you can out me too. It's fine. <laughs> you out yourself. I'm not going to out you. You that that's that's I'm a outed. You gotta make. Yeah, no, we're. I, th I think we we came to the we had that discussion and came to the decision that both of us were like, uh, dude, whatever. In this day and age, people are going to know. People are going to figure out what's what. The pseudonym thing is just kind of a waste of time. So yeah, Larry Brandon, Larry Lenz Brandon, whatever you want to call me. I got a million names, but uh, dude, <laughs> my, my FBI. Vito. Yeah, Vito. I, I, dude, my FBI file's got to be glorious to look through at this point. Oh. Just with all the all those aliases, name changes, and stuff, it's crazy. Yeah. Larry Brandon, no Larry Edwards. No Larry Edwards. Larry Brandon, Sean Ambrosino, here for the Crossfire Hurricane. Today we're going to talk to you guys about climate change, about Texas, about uh, traveling Ted Cruz, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, a, a few other things. So please, but before we before we get started, do all the stuff that we need you to do. Like the video, share the video, comment on the video. Uh, do you think what happened in Texas is a form of political problems or is it just the fact that they live in texas and they don't winterize their stuff because they have mild winters yeah let us know do you think really was going to go to cancun for three days or do you think he just made the wrong decision and, <laughs> and figured that out and came back after he started getting heat comment below also before we do that oh, oh wait 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 subscribe to the channel as well if you're not subscribed then hit the notifications bell and then, as always, if you're not a member of Freedom Wire, click the link on the bottom right-hand side of the screen, become one, and we'll start sending you stories that are important to conservatives like you and like us. Well, like me, not him. Uh, I like to read everything, buddy. It's always important to me. <laughs> well, yeah, you'd like it, but you, at the same time, it'll it'll tick up your, your blood pressure a little bit sometimes. Once in a while. Once in a so while. if you want to get that information, please become a member of Freedom Wire, and uh, we'll get into it. So... Texas. Oh, look at them nights. I'm blind in Texas. Wasp. Great song. Yes. Um, I've, I've only been to Texas once where I spent time. It was actually in 2001 when I tried out for the XFL. Ah. Yep, and yep, yep. I was in, I was in Denton at the university of North Texas, you know, the famous, the famous you, school that almost every single pro wrestler, no, no, no. That's West Texas State. Oh, Are you sure it's West Texas? West Texas State. Yes. Tully Blanchard State. was a quarterback. Barry Windham claimed to play there. Uh, Dusty claimed to play there, I believe. So did Blackjack Mulligan. Uh, yeah, right, right, West right. Texas State. Well, you know what it is? North Texas, University of North Texas is where they filmed the, the, the movie Necessary Roughness. Yes, they did. So um, yes, they it was did. cool being on that, being there and all that stuff. But uh, Texas was hot, man. Yeah. I was there and when when I was there in 2001 uh it was during that time where they had a hundred plus days of a hundred degree plus weather right like they had they had a run there in 2001 where they had over a hundred consecutive days of over triple digit temperature yeah. and it was weather hot weather weather can be brutal down there man i've i've spent a little more time than that in texas uh, i've never lived there or anything but you know i funny part i literally i just came through texas a couple two two and a half weeks ago uh i actually had a 
circumstance in which I was having to come back cross country and I, I drove back. I flew out west, but then had to drive back because we were hauling a bunch of stuff back. So it became a road trip, came through Texas, uh, actually stopped in Houston. Uh, my brother is in Houston and uh, that's where his work has him and his family stopped there for a night, saw them, spent some time in there. But yeah, I mean, to call the weather that they're experiencing right now uh, unusual for Texas is an understatement. They just typically don't see this. This is not this is not what they get, hardly ever. So, yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, the the statistic that I read was they haven't had weather this cold in over a hundred years. Yeah. I think the last time the weather was this cold it was nineteen oh eight or oh oh nine something like that. Right. Um, which you know. Freak storms like this do happen. They now, do. with the push towards uh, climate change, no more, no more global cooling, no more global warming, but now climate change. Um, you know what? I think global warming was always a poor title anyway. And I think global warming was when it was like fixated on the, the, the polar caps and things like that and the melting and you know, heightening of the sea levels, decreasing of the, the ice cap and all that kind of stuff. I, climate change is probably the, the accurate description. And I think it's, it, it is happening in some capacity. I way above my pay grade to be able to sit here right. and give a dissertation on what is and what's not obviously weather chat uh, patterns and, and, and areas that typically get certain types of weather in recent years have certainly changed a bit. Uh, there, there's definitely been some, some alterations and adjustments from what the norms can be. Now, is that just part of a cycle? Or is it part of a bigger thing? I, I don't know, way above my pay grade. Yeah, you know? and, and I'm not a scientist and I don't agree. And and my problem with the term climate change right. is, is that it's a, not an oxymoron, but like that's what the nature of climate is to change. So by calling it what it actually does, doesn't really give it this, this the like, they're like it's climate change. Well, that's what climate does. So it's like I don't think it's the correct term. It, it might not be. You know, might, I think it's better than global warming. When people wanted to refer to this stuff as a whole, say this is global warming. I hated that because then you always had the moron who, if we were in the middle of some crazy like this crazy cold snap in Texas, you'd always have some Buford come up and say. Well, global warming, huh? It's cold as hell in Texas right now. I was like, no, dumbass. That's not what we're talking about. But it, it's, I get it. You know, there, let's and, get and, an applicable it's hard title. hard to argue with that one. People are saying global warming. I, I hear you. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I, it, it makes sense why they had to change it. Yeah, um, I agree. And like everything these days, what has happened in Texas has become politicized. Um, <laughs> I would love to see some kind of issue that doesn't get politicized these days because i i am still of the mind that not everything needs to be politicized no but um yeah all over all over the internet um i or at least over social media and and you know and the regular internet i have seen where there are people so the people on the right are blaming green energy yeah. people on the left are blaming GOP leadership. Yeah. Um, neither one is right. Correct. Uh, <laughs> I mean, correct. It's it's that that's that's a fact. It's that, it's that's just not the Republicans' either, fault. It's yeah. not Green Energy's fault. It's none of the above. It's none it's of a, the above. It's a state that rarely, if ever, and qualifiers because ever just occurred, but 
they don't get this kind of weather and they are not structured or set up to handle the pressures on the system that come with this weather. Yes. Now the other, the, the other piece of that, you know, Texas, correct me if I'm wrong here. Is it the only state in the country that literally is entirely closed off with their power system to where they can't accept incoming? No, no there, there are some, are there uh, others? I, I, and I don't, yeah, no, 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 no. there are some counties in, in Texas that are connected to outside states or just other counties. Um, that well, no, no, outside states. Okay, because I, I I've been reading, or at least it, it's been inferred, and I know that they kind of by and large Texas's power access and grid and all that is kind of closed off as a whole, on the whole for most of the outside. And I know that the theoretical reason for that was that avoids certain federal regulations, allows them to kind of be a little more autonomous, do their own thing, uh, have rules in place that they would prefer, and as opposed to having to follow certain federal mandates. Which okay. Um, but like, obviously in a situation like now, that's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a problem just because there's some help that could probably be available faster, um, more readily available, quickly available, whatever you want to call it, that they can't get at this point because of how their system is structured. Uh, I think their grids from what I have read, again, not going to pretend to be the, the power expert on all how this all works. I, that's not my thing. Uh, but from what I've read and seen, does sound like that there are grids across the board in different counties and cities and what have you. Yeah, they're really not built to handle what they're dealing with. They're just not. And unfortunately, you're getting the perfect storm in a, you know, big time. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, a big time cold snap coming through there that's just kicking their teeth in and they got a power grid system and a supply system that's really not built to handle it. Unfortunately. And, and, and here's the thing is the same thing would happen in Florida. Sure. If we were to get this kind of weather, <laughs> this same exact thing would happen. Dude, and our power it, goes it, out if we get a good rain. Right. And we get that all the freaking time. <laughs> so, so to blame. So the bottom line is, is, you know, Southern states don't have the same worries as states, even north of you know north of georgia you know we don't no. have those same concerns we have no. different concerns we have hurricane we, we have you know we have yeah. hurricane tornado things like those but when it comes to freezing weather our systems aren't really you know made no for that to, no. to, to, to worry about that if, if so, everybody in the state of Florida, if we had some massive cold snap that came over the entirety of the state, no, I mean, listen, I get it up in, you know, up in Northern Florida, Panhandle, Jacksonville, you know, up in Ocala, Gainesville, even up in Orlando. I lived in Orlando for a long time. And honestly, you know, yeah, we had numerous days every winter you could count on. You were going to see the thirties. You're going to see yeah. it here and there. It was going to happen. We knew that, um, you know, now down here in South Florida, you hit, you get the upper thirties now and then, but, once in a blue moon, but not often. But if, if we had some massive cold snap that came through that forced everybody to be kicking their power, uh, their, their heat on and all that kind of stuff, our system would be so overwhelmed, it would shut down in a minute, man. It, it wouldn't take nothing because they're just, they're not ready for that. Yeah. Never have been. And I'm glad you said that because Dan Crenshaw, uh, yeah. the uh, congressman out of, out of Texas. Well, uh, patch. What's that? Patch. Yeah. <laughs> patch Crenshaw. Yeah, uh, he said a lot. He said a lot of these things, and I wanted to play this for you. Yeah, because uh, I know you said you you heard a few of them, but I want I wanted to play this for you and see what you thought. Okay. 
Uh, so I'm going to share the screen. Um, I don't know if YouTube's going to allow this, but who cares? They can they can exit out. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. And we are going to close this. And we're going to go. Dan, Dan looks like he should be making action flex, man. Right. Well, let's listen to what Dan has to say. Like me is wearing a jacket indoors. Got a lot of tough questions asked, so I'm here to answer. Here's the truth. First question, did wind turbines freezing cause blackouts? Answer, not exactly. It's more complicated than that. Look, we had a once in a lifetime freeze, which means basically everything froze from wind turbines to gas plants, to pipelines, to wellheads, nuclear plants had problems. Everybody had problems, why? Because we don't really weatherize our infrastructure here in Texas the same way you would in North Dakota. But in once in a lifetime sort of week, we see the same kind of temperature. So across the board, we're seeing problems. Okay, Dan, well, you're always saying that fossil fuels are a more reliable source of energy and that's what we have to rely on. So where were they at this time? Again, the answer is yes, that's true. Once in a lifetime freeze, everything froze. So in the grand scheme everything of things, froze. all capacity to produce energy reduced by a certain amount, while demand went up by like 50% because everybody was simultaneously trying to heat their homes in a way they never have before. So we have massive increased population growth in Texas. Uh, everybody's trying to get power at the same time. Here's another thing. About 4 million Texans are without power. About 25 million Texans do have power. The only reason they have power is because of those baseload energy sources like coal, mostly natural gas and nuclear. So while they didn't reach the capacity we needed them to, these are the only things that are there for us. All right, Dan, so if you can't rely on these fossil fuel baseload power sources all the time, then why not just transition to wind and solar? Okay, maybe we should prioritize that more, have a better mix. Okay, well, let's think about that hypothetical to the extreme. What if we had only wind and solar right now? Well, then we would, then nobody would have power. And that's not just this week, that's any time that the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining. So we can never rely on those sources as a baseload energy source that can be relied upon when things go wrong. At least not now. Energy. Okay. You should have said it that. like you were blaming wind in your tweets on this. All right. The answer is kind of. Again, it's not necessarily the fault of wind turbines freezing because everything froze. The problem is an overinvestment in renewable energy over time and an underinvestment in baseload energy like natural gas and nuclear over time. There's a lot of reasons that there's an underinvestment there. One is the way that we operate our market here in Texas. This is a, this we is... don't reward baseload energy for the capacity that they, that they bring to market. They don't get fees for that the way they do in 49 other states. It's, 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 a, it's a free market mechanism. It keeps prices a lot lower for consumers. So there's pros and cons to these things. The other thing is ERCOT keeps linking wind energy, new investments in wind energy back to the grid. Wind energy gets prioritized in Texas to a massive extent. So sometimes nuclear is operating at a loss. Sometimes even natural gas operates at a loss. But what does happen is natural gas plants now have to be designed to be able to ramp up and down in accordance with how much wind is blowing at any given time. So the problem is actually that we went a little too renewable. And we're gonna have a conversation in the future about whether that was a good idea and how much more wind energy, which again is intermittent, we should really be linking to the grid. And 
we have to have a conversation about how much more investments do we need to be making in more baseload energy like natural gas? Here's another stat for you. Previously in Texas and years prior, we would have up to 30% reserve capacity, meaning how much can you tap into quickly when you know things hit the fan? These days, we're down to below 10. So that is a problem with management on the grid, um, but it's also a problem with the energy mix that we've been relying on and prioritizing. All right, Dan, but Texas does its own thing. You've got a private company called ERCOT running things. You're not like the rest of the United States. Maybe it's time to get on board and let the feds regulate you. All right, well, here's the answer to that. The whole South froze, okay? So it's not as if we could import energy from Louisiana or Oklahoma. Everybody's having the same problems. There's parts of Texas that aren't connected to the to this Texas ERCOT grid, by the way. They're also having problems. So wouldn't have helped in this case. Also, it's not a private company, it's a nonprofit. It's an independent, independent operating system. Uh, about seven of them exist throughout the United States. It's not that uncommon. All right, so in conclusion, what do we have here? Look, it was really, really cold. And uh, when things are really cold and we're not expecting that, we don't really build our infrastructure to look like North Dakota, uh, we're gonna have problems with it, all right? Probably a bit of grace for those in charge might be in order when it comes to this kind of thing. But second, it should be a lesson. And we have to learn the right lessons here. The reason a lot of people are making memes about wind turbines freezing is not because the, the wind turbines freezing actually caused this. What we're talking about is an overinvestment in renewables with Yeah. The rest the rest is Yeah, yeah. just a wrap up. I gotcha. Yeah, and, and 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 more or less it's just, you know, a pushing of you know his agenda, which whatever. But I wanted I wanted us to, to hear those, you know, the statistics and facts. Right. And and Dan is a level-headed dude. He's not the kind of like, yes, he is a Republican. I'm not gonna deny that, but he's also not a liar like a lot of our our politicians leadership. Yeah. Be. So listening to him explain it that way, does that change your mind? Or not that you had a mind, but or uh, uh, an idea set in your head. But does um, does it make you feel a little bit different about what's going on there? Oh, well, I mean, listen, I watched that video, and like I said, I'd seen little clips and snippets of it before. But I, I one, it makes me appreciate him a little bit more because honestly, I like you said, I, I know that uh, a lot of people on the left have problems with Crenshaw, and pretty much have problems with anybody that has an R in front of their name, and and I think there's a lot of that on the right side to the left it's just how it is these days but that said i mean i think he is he's a pretty straight shooter and what he had to say there <clears throat> by and large i think was pretty straightforward stuff do i disagree with his uh i think his um assessment that they've maybe over invested in renewables yeah i do i, I don't think it's been an over investment i think it's more of an allocation um and i also would go to this length of saying don't penalize your natural gas companies or your fossil fuel companies or the nuclear companies that are in play in Texas. And I know that there are several, uh, you don't, you don't put them in a bad spot because you're trying to increase renewable capacity like solar, like wind. And, and uh, you know, their hydro is, is certainly part of that development as well. Uh, it's, it's not as far along. I don't think as far as main power sources as wind and solar, but that's stuff that's being looked at as well. Um, I, so I don't I don't agree with his assessment that it's an overinvestment, but I think maybe it 
needs to be more of a reallocation. One of the things to me, it's not just about, you know, I like, it's, you know, I was talking about going through Texas here recently. Mm-hmm. When I was driving through the West and I, you know, I don't get to get out there that often, especially on a drive through some of those States, I'm going through Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Louisiana, parts of California, all that kind of stuff. You see wind farms are becoming a lot more prevalent. You're starting to see more and more of them throughout there. And, and with good reason, they can provide a lot of energy and it's, it's, it's a smart investment. Now, what you need to do with that though, is if the development that's taken place at this point, one of the things that would be really cool to see would be to, you know, work for the enhancement of being able to store more in reserve that is generated by solar, that is generated by wind, you know, work on the capacity that, yeah, when we get, you know, listen, there's a reason that wind farms are prevalent in Texas, because on those, on, on the Texas plains, there's a lot of wind out there. Typically, those wind turbines are working overtime and generating a whole bunch of power. It's a lot of sun, a lot of heat in Texas. Typically, the solar farms and the solar panels and stuff in Texas are pretty well utilized and do a good job, much like here in Florida. I think the next step with some of that development, you, you making it more efficient, making it generate more power, may, all those things, yeah. But they also need to start working on ways for storage reserves for those types of resources when they are producing at over peak. That needs to be part of that development. And it's it's going to be an ongoing process with the, uh, the development of green and renewable energy. It's far from perfected at this point. No way in the world we could get away from reliance on fossil fuels at this point in any capacity. Um, Texas, if I'm not mistaken, and again, not an expert here, but I believe that they have probably a higher capacity of usage of natural gas than most other states do. Natural gas in Texas is, is a real major key. I think that they utilize it a little bit more uh, extensively than a lot of other states do, but that, that I could be wrong there. Um, it's sometimes it's just about altering the usage and the consumption of the different sources, making sure you've got enough in reserve for times like this, like their, their experience in Texas right now. So it's not even that any of any of the above are bad or should be demonized here. It's that we need to maybe become more intelligent about utilization, storage, reserves, things of that nature. And the development to me with the green energy sources needs to be as much focused on being able to harness some of that and hold that for down periods when you've got high peak production, which to my understanding of it right now, that's still kind of on the low end. I don't think they've really developed that as much as they would like to or should. Right. So, and, you know, and Larry, and that's exactly it. And that's where I think his his saying that there's been an overinvestment. Yeah. It is an overinvestment if you consider the fact that it's only viable intermittently. You know, um, maybe intermittently. Yeah, when, it's, when it's down, it's down. You know, it's, when it, yeah, when, when the winds, you know, when, when Trump, you know, everybody made Trump made fun of Trump when he said, when the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining, there is no energy. He wasn't lying. And he no, wasn't. He, 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 he wasn't. He wasn't. And I, that's spot on. I thought you were going to say something about the, the windmills causing cancer and I was going to have to yell at you. <laughs> no, no, um, but but the, the bottom line is this energy so there's this misnomer on the left that the right doesn't want renewables and they are yeah. completely wrong. We want renewables just as much as the left does. Our issue is that we're not willing to sacrifice what we have in order for a chance. We want 
we want to make this shift when it makes the most sense, which when it comes down to is storage, is energy storage. Sure. Until Reserves. the technology Reserves. exists. Yeah. Where we can store the energy of, of the sun that we're collecting or the wind that we're or the hydro. Until that technology develops, I don't think we should be investing so much in that direction. Maybe, maybe finding a way to, maybe the investment should be an integration between the two that we have and then wait until the technology exists. Uh, I think you're on the right path there. I think you're, I think you're barking up the right tree there. Cause I, I think better integration between the multiple sources both green and you know the you know the, the fossil fuels, the natural gas, all that good stuff. Better integration, a better system of utilization. Meaning, look, there are certain times that between the wind and the sun, you damn near could power the entire state of Texas 24/7, just about at times. And then there's other times where those things are dead in the water. Sun's not anywhere to be found. It's not blowing much wind and you don't have a whole lot going on. I think, you know, timing, utilization, integration between the two, an increased emphasis on the, as investment continues to go towards green, an increased investment or focus on storage of what's produced. Um, it's all part of the process. And listen, I fully agree with you 100% on this. We've got to continue to develop and push to find new and make better the sources we've already discovered when it comes to renewable. But on the flip side, let's not flip the switch when the system is not ready for the switch to be flipped. Exactly. And, and I, I agree with that fully, you know, at this point in time. I don't want to see a lessening of the push for the development in many fronts, but don't ask us to switch, to switch over to being wholly or predominantly reliant on renewables if we're not at a place yet where we can adequately safely and intelligently do so that, and, that's and, all and, and here and here's the other problem that i also have with this is biden's decree that we're, we're going to you know they, they want to go completely gassless cars by you know they're following california 2030 or 2030 yeah that's, that's yeah whatever it was that ain't gonna happen now that ain't so, gonna happen <laughs> it's, it's it's a great campaign talking point when you're trying to pander to progressives, but that's that's it. The bottom line is 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 you cannot dictate advancement of technology through legislature or or executive order. It, the only thing you can do is invest in it and hope that that and and hope that some kind of you know technological breakthrough happens. But you can't dictate it. You can't say, "Well, we need to do this by then." You know, you know what? I, I don't. Do I don't have a problem with a push from Biden or the left or whoever to be responsible at any given time. I don't have a problem with a, "Hey, man, this is our program. This is our plan. This is what we're shooting for." In a best case scenario, we would like to see the elimination of gas-powered vehicles being newly produced by this date. We would like to see, you know, a reduction of this and, and, and lay it out accordingly. And you can even have it be a little utopian, little pie in the sky. That's okay. You can do that. That's fine. But just with the understanding that these are targets, these are goals, this is what we'd like to see happen. But obviously, at the end of the day, the development and the technology and the science and the research has all got a job combined and come together to make that feasible.
So yeah, it's a great talking point, but at the end of the day, it's got to be real and realistic. We don't, here's a good thing. All right. First off, Joe Biden will be dead and gone by 2030, most likely. <laughs> so he, he's certainly not going to still be in charge at that point. And I'm not saying it's a guy like Joe, but that, you know, I'm not saying, but my point is there's going to be different administrations that come down the path. And at the end of the day, no one is going to come in and try to mandate if we're not at a place where something can happen. You know, you're not going to see the military show up at vehicle plants in 2000, you know, January 1, 2030, saying, yep, that's it. You can't produce any more gas burning cars. It's done. It's over. I mean, if we're not there, we're not there. The company, the country has got to still operate. The country's got to move forward. We got to continue. We got to produce. We got to do all those things. So listen, it, it sounds good, but you and I both know none of that's going to happen before it's time for it to happen. It, well, it can't. Ford, well, technically, Ford and Chevy have, have made the commitment Sure, they have. Oh. They've, they've made the commitment to push their efforts that way, but it's also going to come down to and and hey, the good news is you've yeah, got the Ford. You know what it's going to come down to, Larry? It's all money. Of course, yeah. it's all money. Yeah, you know, you know, you know when they when they start seeing dwindling car sales, when you when you, when you see somebody still driving around and like because because Fiat, you know, uh, Dodge Fiat, whatever you right. want to call it, right? They haven't said anything about it. So when you see the new charger or, or uh, challenger going down the road, making that the rumble. Yeah. The rumble. And you're sitting there in your electronic Corvette, which <laughs> may be faster, right? Yeah. These electronic vehicles, they have incredible takeoff. Yeah. They sound, they sound like a silent fart. Uh, they do. A lot I... of America. And, and, and there's a lot of Americans that love that. Me included. Yeah, I, 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 like I don't care. What's funny is, is I don't care. I you, uh, it, it doesn't matter. No, I, I could listen. If I you put me in a vehicle. It. Yeah. Put me in a vehicle that meets my needs right now. I don't care yeah. if it's throaty or not. It doesn't matter to me. But there's no. something American about it. Do there's I like the sound? Sure. Sure. I do. As a guy who ha had a couple muscle cars back in the day, who had a Harley and all that kind of, I love that sound. Of course. Yeah. Love that. But, but to, is it, is it a make or break thing for me? No. It's no, not. No. If I got a vehicle that's the size that people, I need, there are people who that is a make or break for. Absolutely, for sure. there is. Absolutely, and, and there you is. know where they live. They live in those flyover states, brother. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, no. they're, they're uh, listen, and this is the part where there's going to have to be some concessions. You know, what I mean, Th this is the part where, unfortunately, down the road, when the technology is there to make that transition happen, to make those things happen, that's going to be the part where. The guy who's, you know, got his flag and he's Merca and he wants the throaty pipes on his, you know, on, on his Corvette or his Camaro or whatever the hell he's driving. He's just going to have to understand that, you know, that's going away as far as new production. Now, it's going to be here's what's going to be interesting to me. All right. So even today, we've obviously got a very robust automobile market for people that like older cars. You know, you got the people who still get into the 50s and 60s stuff. Obviously, there's still a big market for 60s and 70s muscle cars and all that kind of stuff. That's all there. And, and that's, you know, that's lessening a bit because the people like you and me that can really appreciate a 68 Mustang or whatever it might be, we're getting older and our kids coming behind them, they don't appreciate the 68 Mustang as much as we do or did or can. At some point, I got a good buddy of mine up in Stewart that is, you know, he's into uh, muscle car restoration stuff. He's one of the best guys in the country. He's got a waiting list a mile long. 
he even says, he goes, there's a limited window on what I do. At some point, those of us that love and appreciate these cars and want them done and restored and want to drive around in them and enjoy them, we're going to die off. And those coming behind us don't really have that appreciation for those vehicles that we did. We're kind of the last of the line that really digs that stuff. And it's starting to fade. I'm wondering when stuff progresses forward down the road, when the technology is there, when everything does become non-fossil fuel burning and all that way down the road, what happens to all the classic cars that have been meticulously cared for and stored and all that? Are they still going to make fuel available or are they going to have to put conversion kits on these things? What's hey, going to happen? You there? know what I can tell you? Listen to Red Barchetta by, by Russ. Yeah. Great song. <laughs> <laughs> that Great whole song. story is awesome. When you listen yeah, to that is. story, and it is you, one you know of my what's favorites. funny is like I, you know, listening listening to that story decades ago, right? Never did I dream that we would be moving towards it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What Good is point. It? Moving Good point. towards me, the um, gleaming metal air car yeah. towards me, three lanes wide or two lanes wide. Yeah, no, that's a good point, man. You know that's what I'm saying? So it's it's yeah. weird. Um, speaking of Rush, Limbaugh? No, no, we're not going to talk about Rush. Speaking of Rush, God rest his soul. Yeah, God rest his soul. He's not in pain anymore, whether you loved him or hated him, dude. Honestly, can I say this, liberal Larry here? Um, those of you on the left, look, I get it. He said and did some things that you can make a case for pretty hideous and heinous and kind of, you know, hurtful and nasty spirited, that kind of, whatever. It's just a bad look in general to any time be wishing pain and suffering and bad things on people in general. You know what I mean? And, and even if that person did those things themselves, aren't we supposed to be trying to be better? I mean, isn't that the goal? We're supposed to try and even when someone does heinous stuff, we're supposed to try and be better. So I just my two cents, man, you know, don't kill the messenger. But my personal belief is if nothing else. If you got nothing nice to say, just don't say anything. Just move on. You know, well said, Larry. Well said. But when I said rush, I wasn't talking about the band nor Limbaugh. God rest his soul. I was talking about Ted Cruz rushing. <laughs> Texas. <laughs> To avoid the segue, man. Nice. You like that segue? I did. That was good. Um, As a Ted Cruz fan, I am fully going to admit this is not a good look. Even bad optics. (laughs) Yeah, bad optics. Even if his story of I was just bringing my girls there and coming right back was true. Apparently it wasn't. Even if that wasn't true. Yeah. Right, right, right. But even if that was true, this would still be a bad look. This is you abandoning the state that put you into office in a time when it needs you the most. And you know, I I said, What what do you expect him to do? I go, Do you expect him to get in a truck and plow his roads? But then I started thinking, imagine if that's what they what our those elected officials actually started doing. Imagine if you saw Ted Cruz driving a Chevy's pickup, plowing roads. What? Where would your respect for that man go? Up. If he made that decision. Up. Up. 
up. You are in this doubt. with us. You are in oh. this with us. That is showing that he's a man of the people. Yep. Man of the people. I care about my constituents. I'm here doing what I can do. Even if it's something like, you know, and I know Texas State's got their, they got their plows to whatever level they have them. Not like they have a real robust winter arsenal at their disposal because right. it's just not something they deal with. But even if you got a, a guy like Ted Cruz is going around and he's in certain areas going and, and you know, helping bust through. Yeah, just, just whatever. And I mean, and listen, devil's advocate. You know, what what Ted was going to Cancun and then hastily coming back and all the stuff that went on with that, Beto O'Rourke was organizing phone banks and dealing with senior citizens, had outreach to 750,000. That I mean, that was big. It's a Ted's rep, unfortunately, for him is already, you know, people look at Ted Cruz and think he's kind of snarky, a little smarmy, a little condescending. It, that's just kind of the vibe he puts off. Some listen, if his snark and his smarm is directed towards the left, well, the people on the right really thoroughly enjoy his snark and his smarm, and it's, it's all good. But that's kind of the view of the guy anyway. So in a situation like this where the tough gets the going got tough and Ted got going. And yeah. now that unfortunately in the details as they have emerged, boy, I don't know which of their friends released the texts that were getting going out from his wife and stuff. But it, the story looked bad anyway, and then the texts got released of their little group text that was basically, hey, this sucks. The weather's horrible. Let's get the hell out of here and go to Cancun. Who's with us? We can get a $300 rate at the Ritz in Cancun. We go there all the time. Who's with us? And then, you know, Ted finally had to cop to the fact that he was booked to be there through Sunday, uh, you know. I think his line was, I, I had misgivings about it. As soon as I sat in the seat of the plane and was heading down, I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but he's, he's as he's trying, he's trying. And it, listen, he's going to catch hell for probably the better part of the next week or two, no doubt. But as we've talked about off air, is this going to kill Ted Cruz's political career? No, nope. probably not. No, nope. probably not. I, you know, as 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 this too shall pass. Yes, as a conservative, I would have wanted him to. I would have wanted to see him roll up his sleeves and get to work. Yep. yep. Um, and as a and and as a as moderate non-conservative, yeah, as a moderate non-conservative as American, I would have had respect for him for having done so. Yeah, it would. I'd have been like, tip of the cap, Ted. Nice job. We can't do that right now. But you know, unfortunately, also devil's advocate. He is Hispanic. Maybe he just wanted to revisit his roots. Um, be close to, you know. Isn't he actually from Canada? I think his dad is Cuban, technically. Uh, Cuban descent. I think Cuban. he either was born in or lived no, in no, Canada no. at some point he, or he, something. I, I think he was born in Canada, but his mom is American. Yeah, that might so, be. They were up there for work or something. And yeah, he's something like that. Citizenship. Yeah, we, whatever. Yeah, here we go. What, what, it's, it's a bad look. He's going to catch hell. Yeah. It's well-deserved, and there's really no way around it. it and, he, and he knows it. I'll give him this. At least he's actually uttering the words. Yeah, dude, I, this, this was a bad yeah, choice. Look, bad choice. Doing, I, I, I screwed up. Make a mistake, apologize, own yeah. up to it. And America's, America's forgiving if you own up to your mistakes. It's very true. I it, it will pass. He's going to catch yeah. hell for a, a while, but it it's believe me. If Ted Cruz doesn't get reelected next time around, I don't think this is going to be the thing that did it him in. I don't know if he's going to run again. I, I, I he, I'm not, not sure. Yeah, no idea. Um, yeah. 
no idea. But, uh, and, and, you know, him and, and who else, I can't remember, instituted the, uh, or tried to institute, you know, the vote towards uh, term limits, which I respected him for. Yeah, yeah. I, I like... I, I actually I put a post up on my social media talking about the I know he's he's pushed for term limits. I know Rick Scott and uh, Marco Rubio have both uh, been a part of co-authoring along with maybe Cruz and others. I think Bill, Rand Paul was a part of that. Might might have been. Who knows? Um, but you know, again, I I don't like any of the above mentioned. I don't I don't really care for any of them. But on the topic of term limits good do it make it happen and of course you know so some of those on the left when i made that post they said well you need to understand that's not coming from a pure place there's ulterior motives i'm like i don't care what the motives are i want term limits at the end of the day that's a positive step even if there's some nefarious stuff that's attached to it early on that benefits them for the short haul if we can get to some level of term limits and that's the end end game end result i'm all in yep make it happen i think we should conclude because uh, as we as we speak, uh, it is now official. We are back in the Paris Climate Accords. Um, we are. I know we have differing views on that. We have differing views. Um, I sent you that one article. I don't know if you yep. ever read yep. it. Uh, where the, the UN itself said that America does not need to be a part of the Paris Accords. Meaning for, for what we do, like our role in it as far as what we're doing here in the United States to combat, um, you know, the environmental pollutants and all the different things that, you know, with climate change and all. They're ba- the UN is basically saying the U.S. is doing their part and then some as far as their actions, what they're doing at home. And I agree with that. I agree with that. That is correct. We are definitely a better practitioner of environmentally friendly methods, much more so than most of the other countries that are in the accord itself. I'll fully agree with that. I have always maintained my belief. We have forever liked to present ourselves as the world leader. We are the world's watchdog. We are we are top dog. We're the superpower. You know, certainly there are other countries that are in that discussion, but we have always been uh, at the top and considered ourselves to be and had no problem claiming to be. Okay, got that. If you're going to be the world leader, you got to lead by example. And sometimes that means that you got to get involved in things like this and be a part of the solution, even if you're already doing the things you need to do individually to to help with whatever the problem may be. And in this case, we're talking about climate change and environment and all that good stuff. That said, I think it's important for the U.S. to be a part of the Paris Climate Accord. Now, I will say this. Should we be toting a heavier fiscal note than everyone and anyone involved? Maybe not necessarily, no. I think we should be a part of it. I think we should be members. I think we should be big participants in giving input and helping to implement things. Do I think we should be writing the biggest check for it? No, not really, because we're actually doing more than most of those involved. So I'm all for us being involved. But the one part of Trump's assertion that it was a bad fiscal deal for us, I, I don't disagree. I would have never pulled out of the accord, but I would have probably gone in and said, hey, man, we can't continue to cut the biggest check in the room. Sorry. You know, we're all in. We're going to help. But we can't be the one toting the note. You guys got to step up. Right. But entering that and that's my that's my one and only problem with this entire thing. Right. I couldn't care. I, like, I, it doesn't bother me being a part of the Paris Accords. 
I am all for being a part of them if it helps make our planet a cleaner, better place. Amen. But America, who is leading the world on... uh, uh, Are we better than Canada? Yes. Well, as far as cleanup, as far as... Okay, okay. As as what we've done as far as reducing CO2 emissions and all of that, all of Certain benchmarks, I got it. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, and, and, and and again, what does Canada have? 30, 30 million people total? Uh, not nearly as many as we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to say they have thirty million. So it, it doesn't take much Sounds to good. reduce. It doesn't take much to reduce carbon in a in a nation full of thirty million people as compared to right. a nation full of almost four hundred million. Um, Correct. Correct. We could be a part of it. We could we could give our input. We can give you access to our scientists. We can give you all of this. It should not come with a price tag of billions and billions of dollars, especially when we have made more than enough progress to, to like, it, like when you have like, China has created more coal, cre- coal burning facilities over the last year like by triple by what America has taken away. Like, oh, yeah. you know, we yeah. have countries yeah. that continue to disregard their environment. And yet we are paying the most money to be a part of it, to be a part of this. I don't see the reason if we, if we cannot, if, if they can't, and I, and, and here's the thing before, before Trump pulled out of the Paris Accords, right. he had made that, he had made that um, suggestion. He did say, look, we can't pay this money. We should not be paying this money. And I know he said it, I, I know that he was very public about those statements and he, you know, had no problem putting that out there. Now, I, I don't really know to what extent Trump or anyone on his administration's behalf actually approached any of the members that could, could actually do anything about it and presented anything to say, look, we still want to be involved, but I mean, we're, we're not going to be writing the biggest check. It's not happening. But I don't know to what level that did or didn't happen, but I agree with the assessment. Now, the one thing I will say, and I mean, the devil's advocate part, and I'm sure that you, you, you would hear from the left on this topic would be to say, look, America does so much business in so many of these countries that have nowhere near the resources or wealth that they do. And the U.S. benefits a lot from their business dealings with these countries. It would benefit the U.S. for these countries to get in a better way, get in better shape, blah, 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 because it helps U.S. in a business perspective. I understand the logic behind that argument. I I do. And again, I'm not even saying that we should be in this thing. And because we're ahead of pretty much all of the countries involved, with our uh, with our improvements and the things that we've done to 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 further the effort, I'm not even saying we shouldn't cut a check. I don't mind contributing fiscally to it. There's benefit to that for us. But again, I don't think we should be the one toting the bulk of the note. I it, it shouldn't. It should be an equitable deal. It should be an equitable equa- equation. Unfortunately, the U.S. traditionally has gotten into far too many agreements on a global scale where because the perception of the US is that, oh, they're, they're the big dog, they're the leader, they're the wealthy one, they've got the, the robust economy, blah, 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 that we automatically are the ones that always write the biggest check. I don't agree with that. It shouldn't always no. be the case. And, you know, and that, the, that, UN, the UN itself is a perfect example of that. 
Yes, it is. I, I we do. I know we we overly finance a lot of what goes on with the UN compared to others involved. It's something that again, I don't mind. I know that you know what's what's the old saying? You got to pay the cost to be the boss. I know that there is a monetary cost on global politics and global business and all these things that comes with being in a leadership role. We all know that you're naive if you don't think that's the case. There is. But I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to make it a little bit more equitable, with trying to make some of the other countries involved in some of these different agreements and accords and treaties step up and pay something more equitable. I, I That's not unreasonable. And, 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 and it could be as much as a percentage where everybody pays the same percentage. Sure. Again, like sure. a flat tax. Well, I mean, and, it, and listen, it might not, even, you know, it, it could be a percentage of something. I, I don't I don't have any delusions that most countries involved in a lot of the agreements that we get involved with, and we'll use the Paris Accord here just as an example, but most of those countries probably don't have the resources to chip in, so to speak, what we do or what a China would have or, a, or some, you know, somebody along those lines. I understand that, but it's got to become equitable. We can't continue to pay for everything for everyone and always pay an inordinately high cost for when we're making moves. That's, there's got to be some sense made of that. Well, yeah. And, and not only that though, Larry, is if we're going to be paying the most, then we should have a bigger say. Yeah. And like, and not to be said for that, you know, you know not to be it, said it, for that. And that, and that isn't the case in the UN, uh, nor is it the case in the Paris, the player climates, uh, the climate accords, climate um, accords. Yeah. We, we, you know, if you look at the UN and you realize that China and Iran are on the human rights commission, there's a problem. It's interesting. <laughs> it's it's, it's interesting. <laughs> so, uh, I think we should get yeah. a, a, a fruitful conversation. Um, yes. Before we head out, I want to ask you a question. Muscle car question. Okay. What would your very, what would be your dream muscle car? <sighs> Man, there's a bunch of my love and there's a bunch of them I'd be thrilled to have. Um, honestly, I would love... I would love to have a late '60s model Barracuda. I think I'd like to have a late '60s model Barracuda, as much or more than any of them. I think I think that'd be it. I want a. I think it was a four-speed, but it might it might have been a five-speed. 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. Nice. Just like Smokey. T-tops. T-tops. I want it all. Bird on, on the hood, the whole nine yards. Yes. Black, I had, gold. There were, these, there were these twin brothers that lived, and they were older than me, obviously, because they were driving age at the time when those were new. And, you know, like you're talking 77, 78. I was a little kid. My grandparents lived up in northwest Indiana. These two brothers had matching Firebird Trans Ams with the T-tops. Oh. Uh, one had the royal blue. One was black. And they had all the all the fixings, and dude, that was just like they'd open the garage and be like, oh. it was just like those were glorious. Yeah, that's, that's I had a '77 Camaro. I had a '77 Camaro that was pretty sweet at one point. Um, yeah, yeah, those cars know, brand new back then were like three, four thousand dollars. Exactly, exactly. 
there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, if you agreed or disagreed, comment below. Also, again, please like the video, share the video, do all the things I asked you to yep. do in the beginning. Become a member of Freedom Wire, do all that stuff, and uh, help us grow. That's all I can ask. If you like these conversations, we want to keep keep them moving. Um, we have to do this in, in studio one day, because now that I'll yeah. I'm in, in the office, which isn't far from your house. No, uh, not at all. So, so maybe one day, know. one of these Tuesdays or Thursdays, I'll get you come in and yep. sit in on one of the uh, on one of the uh, actual, if not Freedom Wire podcast. You and I could do just a uh, just one, but I'd like to have you sit in with the guys and girl. Oh, I'd love to. I know. I actually had somebody ask me. He said they, they they do some stuff that's like panel stuff. How come you're not on any of that? I said ah, they're probably trying to you know make sure they're okay with me. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, I'd love to. All right, awesome. You have anything you want to say goodbye to the people with? No, man. It's everybody, you know, hey, good stuff. We we'll hope to be back a lot more frequently. Everybody's been busy, a lot going on. Be diligent, pay attention, take in lots of sources. Don't be a dummy and just uh, just toe the line. Always broaden your scope. Read a lot. Know what you're talking about. Have an educated opinion. Yep. <laughs> That's not bad advice. I'm just going to remind you guys, you are American. Stay free. God yes. bless.